0: Entrepreneurs Podcast with Jenny Melrose, teaching influencers and entrepreneurs how to monetize and grow their businesses. 25 of the Influencer Entrepreneurs podcast with Jenny Melrose. Today I'm talking to Brooke Lark of Cheeky Kitchen who has a absolutely fabulous food videography um, course that is out right now and she's going to be telling us the important elements that you need as well as the tools that you need for creating solid food videos. Let's dive in. Okay, guys, we are going to dive right in. I am here today with Brooke Lark of Cheeky Kitchen. How are you, Brooke? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Jenny. Thank you so much for coming on. I am so excited to have you. Brooke and I were talking, actually chatting a little bit beforehand, and we found out that we were both at Everything Food Conference and never managed to meet each (laughs) other, which... It wasn't even that big of a conference where you would miss someone, but we both happened to be speaking at tables at the same time, so we just didn't run into each other, but we're excited to get right into this today with all of you guys. Um, so, Brooke, tell us a little bit about your business and your previous experience.
1: Okay. Oh, yeah. That's a good question. Um, my previous experience is that um, I'm a stay-at-home mom. <laughs> with a degree in elementary education. And, uh, nine years ago, I, uh, my babies went off to kindergarten and the day that they went off to kindergarten, their twins. I thought, Oh, what am I going to do with all this time? You know? And instead of doing laundry as I probably should have, it was <laughs> just when blogging was starting to get hot. And a friend had said, do you know that people can make money with these blog things? And I was like, do you think that I could make like $500 a month? Cause at the time that seemed like so much money that we yes. didn't have. And I wanted to send the kids to basketball or soccer practice or something. And we just didn't have money for like extras. Right. So I sat down and I started a blog. It had a terrible name that was terribly long and horrible for branding. I mean, I just had no idea what I was doing. Um, but six months in, I had an advertiser sign on for $500 a month. So that kind of gave me this continued push really quickly. I realized that the content that I was creating every day at the time, we didn't call it content, (laughs) but it was just food. I loved being in the kitchen. I loved making up new recipes. And a year uh, after launching the blog, I was hired on by Betty Crocker to be on kind of their like, launch group of bloggers that they were bringing on to help with some of their creative content. And so from there, blogging kind of took a backseat to client work, where now I do food photography and food videography for dozens of clients. And I have um, five retainer clients that I work with every month. And then I work with um, other companies from General Mills. I'm still with General Mills um, to, I've worked with Disney for a while and then I have tinier companies like, um, a honey company, a sausage company. So lots of food based companies. I do their food content and food photography.
0: All right. So then did you have previous experience in photography or was just like a knack that you just kind of picked up really quickly?
1: I, I wouldn't even say I picked it up quickly, Jenny. Like I, I remember having a girl come to my house who was like a big time photographer. And at the time, I think I'd been blogging for three or four years. I was still on a little point and shoot. And then I bought um, a Canon T2i from Craigslist for $300. You know, like it it seemed like so much money to invest in myself. And um, I remember this photographer coming by and she said, can I just tell you a few things that would make your photography better? I mean, I just it was so hard for me to access the technical side of photography and having gotten into it from a blogging perspective, I didn't really understand very quickly how photography would play into that. And in the early days you did point and shoot. I mean, the pictures were not amazing right. um, for most people until a couple of people really came and changed the game. And so um, I would say that it wasn't until about three years ago when I realized that the only way that I was going to ever make a living as a creative was to become one of the best creatives. And so I very actively at that point, I had enough like general experience that I could really start honing, like understanding what were the questions I needed to ask so that I could better my photography. Right. Um, and so it, I would say it's only been in the last, you know, of nine years to spend three of those years really feeling like, oh, now I'm a photographer. Now I need to perfect my photography. Um, I'm a little bit of a late bloomer. (laughs)
0: No, I think – but when you started, it wasn't that much of a game changer to have, like you said, everyone do just a point and shoot. So I'm going on almost seven years, so I'm a little bit behind you. But you were before Pinterest. Like Pinterest really, I feel like, changed the game for everybody. If you didn't have photos that stood out, you were just not going to get any traffic that came through. So no, I totally understand where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. And I think starting as just like a blogger instead of like a career blogger at the time it was more about community, Yes, you know? So when I first started, it was like inviting people into your home, whereas now I feel like I'm creating and putting it out there, which is very different than just letting people see me in my real space. So yeah, it's it, it's definitely been, there have been a few game changers.
0: <laughs> and for so many of us, it started as, it was just a hobby. Like you said, you were just yes. kind of putting it out there. It was, it was a lot of going to other sites and leaving comments and social media wasn't such a big thing. It is such a difference to like look back in the time and how much it has changed and how much of an advantage I feel like newer bloggers have because they, so many of them come into it with like, I need a game plan. I want a marketing plan. Everything's laid out. They're ready to take it off as a business. And I, I'm yes. looking at them going, gosh, I wish I had known all this back then.
1: I know. <laughs> well, even the same thing, like that's always the thing that I joke about with the original name, which was conversations with a cupcake. And I am like, you know, what? I didn't know about <laughs> branding. You know, it's like the most basic elemental aspects of business that now are the first things I think about. Were like the last considerations in my life at the time. So yeah, it, it's definitely a whole new world. And I do, I agree. I think that people who are starting fresh, it's definitely harder, but I do think that you kind of come in more prepared to treat it as a business than some of us are really bloggers who are just like, Ooh, a blog.
0: <laughs> yes, it is. It's such a different mindset now. It's amazing to me. So yeah. now that you have made that shift to it being a business and you're an entrepreneur, what do you feel is the toughest part about having to have your own business and doing it kind of at home?
1: Oh yeah, that's a good question. Um, Let's see. I think maybe there are a couple. I think the toughest part was finally realizing that if, you know, like I said earlier, that if I want to stay competitive, I have to be competitive. And so making sure that I'm ahead of trends, that I'm chasing them, that that was a really hard transition for my heart to make because starting as a hobbyist blogger, it was all about like what I felt like and following the whims. And so, you know, waking up every day, staying on a schedule, staying ahead of content, staying on top of social media, I think that's been the hardest thing because it's required a change of heart for me to say, you know what, this isn't just a fun thing I'm doing. And so I've I've become more ambitious and competitive and that's just a different feeling than it was initially. So, and then I would say the second thing is, um, keeping up with the growth because I think that there's, you know, it's, it's one of the great things about food blogging is that, it requires a kitchen table unless you have 10 different clients who need all different styles. So actually I just moved into this new studio space because I had completely outgrown every, you know, I would, I outgrew a kitchen table and then I outgrew two tables and then I moved it into a front room. And it just, so blogging and my job being in my home and keeping it from taking over my life has been a very interesting balance to, that constantly needs attention.
0: Yes, and now, so tell us a little bit about your studio. So I think people that are, some of my listeners are food bloggers, so they understand what you're talking about with props and things of that nature. Yeah. Then I have others that are parenting bloggers, and they're like, "Well, why do why do you need a big studio for what?" Yeah, yeah. Um, and I have seen some of your videos, so I have seen like your props and your behind all of the different dishes and things like that that you have. So in your studio, what does your studio consist of?
1: Yeah. So my, so right now the new studio, so my other studio was, um, I had two windows because I shoot all natural light Yes. and I had two different tables. So one of the windows was primarily, it looked like a fake kitchen. And then the other window was similar to, I don't know this one that you can see behind me, just a table sitting yes. up next to the window. So like tabletop shots, if you go to my Instagram channel, most of them are shot in that light, but sometimes you need to be pouring something or standing in a kitchen. So I had two setups. Okay. So what I was really missing was space to move space to store props and then a working desk. So I had still been working at the kitchen table. So now I have a desk here. So this, this room is entirely shut off from the rest of my room, which is, which was the first like, (laughs) because the kids don't have to come in and out, you know, food photography can get quite messy. You're setting up multiple sets, food is getting everywhere. You're chopping, slicing, things are spilling on the floor. So having a space that could be fully dedicated to that and then shut off from the rest of my life was really important. So now I still have two sets. I have a table here that um, it's a west facing light. And so the light is typically turned off during the day. So I'll actually hang a fake brick wall here, um, which is just made from vinyl printing. And I do have a video about how to hack that if you are interested.
0: We and will definitely that, link to that in the show notes. Okay. I'm yeah. Sure. We have three photographers that are like, Oh, what, how do you do that?
1: <laughs> yeah. It's been one of my most popular. It's so funny. Cause it was like this dumb, embarrassing little hack that I was just like, maybe someone will find this interesting. And it's been one of my most viewed videos. Um, so I have space for my lighting equipment. This, there's a mantle over here now that is like my fake kitchen setup. So basically the space is just created so that I can move quickly between sets or styles. Um, I do still have backdrops. So like, if you're like, if I'm shooting for different companies, they all have different styles. So some want dark photography. So I have to have, um, like a darker table or a more rustic table. Some of them want white photography. So I need a white table or a white backdrop. So having space to store all of those things so that I can quickly switch between, between styles, having props that can match each of the styles. Um, General Mills does not want uh, any kind of handmade pottery. They want only like like pristine ceramic. Okay. And so I have to have all of these different sets based on what brand styles are. Yeah, so the studio is really just a space where um, I, needed, I felt like I needed more space um, so that I could kind of speed up my process so that there wasn't so much setting up and taking down between different styles. Did that answer? That was a long and, answer. No,
0: I love that answer because I know I have a ton of food bloggers that are listening going, okay, that makes so much sense. I love that. And I didn't really think of it, especially as when you're talking about the brands that you work with, that they would want different surf- uh, different surfaces, so they have different colors and lights and things that you need to have to be able to prepare for them. And I definitely have listeners that are thinking of trying to work on that side of it where they'd have clients be able to shoot for them because I know that, of course, there's so- brands are understanding that they need to have beautiful photos as well now. So
1: yes, yes, for sure. There's, there's a big, um, there's a huge amount of opportunity out there. And I mean, I think that as bloggers, sometimes we think people come to us and so they get our style. And I have found that one of my biggest secrets to success is saying, tell me what you want. I want to create in the style of your brand and working with companies. My, um, you know, my work has only grown, because I feel like it's my job to meet their needs. It's not their job to come in and give me money. So I think that that has been a really huge secret to learn that like, yeah, brands do have guidelines and learning how to work within those guidelines is, it requires a little more space and a few more backdrops, but it (laughs) certainly makes for good work. So
0: Excellent. I love that. So no, now, um, obviously it's changed quite a bit. If anybody goes to their Facebook feed, they automatically see normally a ton of video. And I think a lot of people are nervous about this because obviously we need to start creating it. What is your number one tip for creating video? Oh just do
1: it. I I love that. It is (laughs) it's so much more accessible and doable than you think. It's kind of like um you if you carry a phone then in your hand, then you have all of the technical skills that you need to create a video. And even though I think what scares most people is like, it's adding a new format of, um, process. So you set things up differently or whatever. And I think that as humans, we really st- like, we don't like feeling vulnerable or new or raw or fresh. And so we'll sometimes stay away from those things. Um, but literally my delve into video cause, and that was me like, I literally was like, video, (laughs) you know, I mean, it was just like making me catatonic. (laughs) And I finally got to the point where I had three clients that I knew were shifting away from food photography and that if I did not get into video, I was going to lose them. And just because it's a metrics burner, if you can do video, you're going to move the needle and every company wants the needle moved, including your own personal blog. So, um, so literally literally after weeks and months of just belly aching and feeling frustrated. And I asked my 19 year old son who had, who had like an Adobe course certification. I said, if I video record a recipe, can you show me how to edit it? And he goes, mom, I have to go to work. And I said, I will record it. Can you edit? Can you show me how to edit it? So in literally five minutes, I threw together a video, we sat down at the kitchen table, and in 15 minutes he showed me everything I needed to know and I've been able to video edit ever since. It took 15 minutes. Like, it was 15 minutes of feeling uncomfortable while someone said, do this, do this, do this, and then I had access to the skills. So I think it's, you know, just do it, it's a lot more accessible than you might guess.
0: So is there editing software that you feel is necessary or is it kind of just whatever you're comfortable with?
1: No, I do feel like, I mean, here's the thing there are a lot of like hack softwares that you can use but i feel like if you are going to do something and if you're going to learn it from the ground up you might as well learn the best and hardest thing right from the get go because as a creative ultimately the greatest creative expression comes when you understand how to have control of that expression so if i have a camera and shoot i can capture a picture but if i understand the exposure triangle. If if I'm switching out the lenses, I can shoot what I want to shoot versus just shooting a picture. The same goes for video. There are a lot of programs where you can kind of plug it in or apps where you can plug it in. But if you want total control of the messaging and the idea, the feel, the sound, the look, then learn Adobe Premiere Pro. Um, It feels a little at first, because you you know open it up, it has lots of buttons, similar to Photoshop. Sometimes I think you're like, what are all the buttons? But it really doesn't take long, you know. And as a food videographer or like a product videographer, I think um, typically if you're going to get into video, there's like a style of video. So once you learn like the five to ten things that create that style then you you kind of use them again and again and again, and it becomes not overwhelming at all. I mean, like with food video, I just never really have to do like animation. So I probably will never learn whatever I need to learn to become an animator. Right. So, you know, there are certainly more things that I'm sure could really overwhelm me, but learning Adobe Premiere Pro has not been as terrible as I thought. And it really is, in my mind, one of the most powerful and accessible user tools I mean, you could certainly get more professional than that, but I think it's a notch above, say, Final Cut um, or any of the apps that you might download. Um, And if you're used to editing in Lightroom or editing in Photoshop, then it's just this next natural extension of things that you've already learned to master.
0: Okay. All right. Yes. Now, and then it does. It's the, the whole idea of seeing all those buttons and going, oh my God, I don't know how to use these. I know. But I love that you said that it took you 15 minutes really to understand the pieces that you needed to know because you don't need to know every single thing that's on there. So it is there's the ability to be able to do it. And there's so many videos on YouTube now that you could find a tutorial and be able to use it. So now are there specific elements or um, pieces of equipment that you need for photography to be able to do videos, though? What do you feel are like the
1: necessary things like setup. What's the setup? Okay. So, yes. So I, it's not a lot. I would recommend, um, if you already have a DSLR, then that's all you need. Some people like, as you get into it, you can shoot with two videos where one is overhead and one is sideways, but it's not necessary. Um, single camera setup is more than enough. Um, iPhone, makes for some beautiful food photos as well, or, or product videos. So I'm going to say anything that you can video in a 14 by 14 square or up against a wall. So a person standing at the wall, we're going to call all that food videos. Cause it's all essentially the same setup. Um, natural light. I am still a huge fan of it. I think in video, it continues to produce the same kind of true to form colors. Um, it does require like a little bit of, planning on cloudy days or whatever, you know, so, but you kind of come to learn that. Um, so I don't think that you need to buy artificial lights. I don't think you need to buy special, um, lenses. If you have a really basic setup that you're already using for food, the only thing that you might need to buy is an overhead tripod. Okay. And, um, there's one called the Manfrotto lateral side arm boom. It literally took me like three months of research. Like I'd be like Instagram overhead, flat lay tripod. I just could not figure out like, what are these things? And so it's the lateral side arm boom. And you literally, um, Your tripod is here, it comes like this, and you hit you cut your you like screw your camera on and then point your camera down. Okay. And so what I will do is I will just set my camera up on my overhead, take all of the process shots overhead, and then I will take my camera off and put it on a side tripod. So that is, I would say the one thing that you have to invest in when you do video is tripod. You're never going to be able to handhold and steady your, your camera. So if you don't have a tripod and I know that a lot of a lot of photographers don't, you need a tripod and maybe the two things to invest in would be an overhead try, like two tripods so that you don't have to switch heads between them. Um, but really that's it. I mean, a camera or an iPhone, um, a tripod too. If you like me hate setting things up and down and, uh, you know, the the software that you need to edit so an sd card and adobe premiere and if you're already on adobe cloud you have access to that so boom
0: (laughs) boom (laughs) that's all you need (laughs) no more excuses just get to it
1: so it's a lot you know like i think that a lot of people feel like As soon as you, in fact, I find this a lot with clients, like I'll say, you know, have you considered video? And it's like, oh, video, like you immediately think of like the crew and the gimbals and the, you know, it's a lot more simple than that. (laughs) All
0: right. Well, that's good to know because it is, it it gets overwhelming. And I know that there are a lot of people that are wanting to cross that bridge and understand that they need to. And to hear that it's so much simpler than what I think we all think of is just makes us feel a lot better.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yes, it is. It feels like this big, weird, inaccessible thing. You know, I didn't go to film school. I think that a lot of people um, make video feel like it's this big thing. But yeah, I mean, we've seen a lot of really, really simple videos that require, you know, a two foot by two foot space. I mean, Tasty, BuzzFeed's Tasty is essentially a two foot space. They do pipe in artificial lighting, but you can create everything that Tasty creates with one window and a table in your house. Right. So,
0: love that. Excellent. So now tell me a little bit about I found you through your Facebook community. T- explain the community that you have because I think there are so many food bloggers that are listening that would absolutely love this.
1: I would love to have them. It would be Fabulous. so great. So, um uh, at the beginning of this year, I started feeling kind of frustrated that all of the food blog groups felt either hyper controlled where you had to get admin approval to post or hyper secretive or kind of clicky. It sometimes feels like the blogging community or creative community in general. Um, it's hard to like get a leg up as a new blogger. Um, it's hard to get, to find access to people. And I mean, if anyone is anything like me, there are just these like weird little moments where you'll be like, why isn't this working? Or like oh, this dish isn't working. I mean, I feel like Blogging and photography is so everyday and sometimes so situational that having immediate access to people who can answer your questions becomes really important. Yes. So, I wanted to create. So, actually, I just started a a, a space, a, a Facebook group, with the idea being that it's fully crowdsourced and fully open. That all secrets are shared. I share everything, all of my secrets amply, and um, we have grown from me and Matt Seta, who, uh, is the, he's got it. He's actually got a degree in photography. So he's like our our tech guy who can answer every photography question that I'm like, I don't know. Um, so it started with us. I think I touted it in one Facebook group. So we had like, I don't know, 20 or 30 people. And we now have more than 4,000 food photography, food photographers and videographers and bloggers globally that, um, are in this group and it has been unbelievable. I mean, people have come in and shared so generously and we have people daily asking questions, um, everything from SEO to how do I build my Instagram or why isn't this button on my camera working or how do I get into video? And the whole idea is that when we help each other as a creative community, then we are all benefited. I think that it's easy to kind of hoard what you know, because you feel like you've found some secret And really, you know, I do think that the Internet has just, like, ample opportunity for everyone. So kind of releasing that fear that someone's going to steal your secrets and understanding we'll all create in a variety of different ways and there's space for all of our creativity has been – it's been profound to see people hop onto that vision. So.
0: Excellent. So what we're going to do is we're going to make sure to link to that in the show notes that everybody can find that. But it's the Food Blog Photo and Video Facebook community if you go to Facebook and you search for it. But we'll also link to it so that you guys can join the community and be able to become active members there because it is, it's extremely engaged. Fantastic. Yes, absolutely. So now tell me about your video course because I am so excited about this. And we actually have a special offer for my audience that's listening. You can use the coupon code Jenny 50, and we're going to give you $50 off Brooks course, but I want you to tell us all about it, what it consists of, what they're going to learn all of that.
1: Yeah. So, um, as I started in this, um, create, as I started working with this community on Facebook, everybody's questions started to revolve around video. And obviously, because it really is the next frontier. I mean, I had been rebuilding my own blog because I had gotten rid of all of the previous content and decided to start fresh about two years ago. And so I was having trouble kind of hitting up against metrics not working and watching that how just the way that metrics were booming for video bloggers became this like really intense thing where I was like, you know what, I'm doing video for clients. I need to do this for myself. And so I had noticed that everybody else was kind of trying to figure it out, but it can feel very frustrating because um, you know, shooting in, at home is a very different thing than being a filmographer and learning how to work with your digital camera with just somebody telling you how to do it instead of having all of these like high-end professional recommendations that can start to feel really overwhelming. Um, as I looked at the options, there just weren't many options that felt really practical and straightforward and realistic. Teaching bloggers how to get into video. Um, the closest things that I had found were um, the workshops or courses were six ninety nine, seven ninety nine. It took a whole weekend. You had to travel to places. I mean, it just seemed, it just seemed ridiculous. <laughs> and so, I was like, you know what? The, the video is not hard, and it shouldn't be hard. And if other people are having the same feeling that I was having, why not, essentially? sum everything that you need to know up in a 90 minute crash course so that you can literally grab a cup of coffee, sit down. And in 90 minutes, you will be fully prepared to make a food video. And so I called a videographer friend. We spent literally three hours filming it and we have a 90 minute crash course. So it does not get into the weeds of technology. um, But the, the 90 minute video course is just a really fun, fun approach for beginners to say, I want to do video, but I don't know how. And so you don't have to ask any of the embarrassing questions. You can just sit and have them all answered for you. And literally 90 minutes later, I have had dozens and dozens of students send me their befores and afters. And it's been incredible what people have picked up. I even have... Um, one of the food video group bloggers is in retirement. So she's like in her sixties and totally overwhelmed by technology. And she messaged me and said, "Um, I'm so excited. I made my first video. You know, she said, I just sat and watched your video and then I would do it. And then I'd push pause and then push play and go back and forth. And it's so delightful to me to know that What my son gave me in 15 minutes, I'm able to let other people access it because it's so accessible. But you do need someone to say, let's cut through the crap. Here's how. So that's what the, the food video course does.
0: I think it's so important that you're in the industry. Like it's not just coming from someone random. You understand the food blogging world and you understand it from the brand's perspective, which I feel like a lot. it makes a huge difference because so many, especially my audience, is looking to work with brands for sponsored content and they want that video to be able to offer that as an extra to be able to see their income rise with it. Um, So I think it's great that you have both perspectives as a blogger, but also as coming from the brand standpoint, and being able to put that together so quickly and easily for them to access and then be able to implement is amazing. I think it goes back to your teaching background as well. Maybe. (laughs) See, you did use that degree.
1: Yeah. It's way more fun to teach adults than kids.
0: (laughs) I would have to agree because that's kind of what I've turned to. I was a former teacher as well. and. it really is. And it, the courses, I love creating the course content and the Facebook groups because you can. You can have that easy conversation where you're able to just kind of give them an example and they're able to go on and do it. And it makes a difference in their lives. It makes it yes. easier for them to be able to move on. Because I think we've all been to that point where we're kind of struggling. We've hit that wall where we
1: just need someone to say, do this. And yes. you can move on. <laughs> yes. And, that, and that's exactly where this came from was – spending months either a literally not understanding the first question I needed to ask. It was just like, Oh video, you know, like I just, I felt so overwhelmed by it. It felt so inaccessible. And then when I would think of a question to, like YouTube, because you can learn a lot from YouTube. Yes, I would still feel like it wasn't quite the answer that I needed for the situation. Yes. You know, it's, it's still some guy holding a gimbal. And I'm like, you know, in the meantime, paralyzed by like how overwhelming it feels. So yeah, I mean, it's, if I can learn it, anyone can learn it, you just sometimes need someone to tell you exactly what so right.
0: I love that. And I love that it's all in one place because I think that does make the difference for many people that you don't have to jump from YouTube video to Google search to wherever else you're going to end up trying to find out the answer to your one question. It's all in one spot in 90 minutes. I love, love, yes, love that.
1: It's like, come sit with me. Yeah. I will hold your hand and I will not let you fail, <laughs> you know, because there's nothing worse than feeling so vulnerable and like, maybe I can't do it. No, you can. You totally can. So, that video is all about showing you exactly how so that you never feel like horribly confused about it again.
0: Perfect. So, now one of the questions that I always ask everyone that comes onto the podcast is what are your projections for the rest of 2017? What do you see either oh. in your own business as well as in the industry that we're kind of moving towards?
1: I know, I put everybody on the spot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm like, what is it? Um, Okay, so a couple of things. Um, I do think um, video will continue to be hugely important. And the reason for that is that every single social media channel is built upon the the attention economy. So if you continue to think that, you know, you can make splashes with tiny little pictures, no, every... From Instagram to Snapchat to Facebook, the way that they create value on their channel with their advertisers is they hold the attention of people. So that's why we're seeing the algorithms support video. So video is going nowhere. Um, I do think that in the early days, because the algorithms were so supportive of video, we just saw a lot of like crap go viral. And I think that what, again, just like blogging, it's like what we'll see is like um, the actual quality of video, the actual creativity behind the video, you know, our audience is getting really smart at watching video. And so anything that can stand out from that catch an eye, um, be, be an attention grabber is going to be important. So not just video, but high quality and creative video is going to continue to be a trend and a cherished trend. I mean, we just saw, I don't know if you saw that tasty video where it was like, uh, vampire wings. And they had taken, it was just chicken Parmigiana, but they had put on all of these like hilarious, um, titles instead of just like chicken, it would okay. be like, yeah. And so I think that we'll continue to see like, that will be a trend, humor and entertainment. Um, recognizing that everyone is online for either education or entertainment and that's it. So if you're not very clearly falling into one of those buckets, then you're going to fall out really fast. And then maybe the other trend that I would say would be, um, hmm, there's so many like little ones that I think that I can see. Um, I would say having like an increasing need for just repurposing content. That's, That's maybe like a personal trend that I see happening where it's like creating one really, Exceptional diverse post. Uh, so, for instance, instead of regular recipes, now I'm starting to transition to meal prep because people don't just want an idea now, they want a solution. So, I think that we're going gonna to continue to see the, the internet trend toward solutions that make people's lives easier or where you're really meeting a need for them or fixing a need. It's a little more satisfying than just giving people ideas, 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 because we're all so overwhelmed by all of the ideas that we can't organize them. Yes. So seeing a trend in organized ideas and organized information and organized content and uh, instead of doing, you know, 500 posts, having one really nice post that you can repurpose in a variety of ways. I think will we'll be a trend we continue to see. I
0: love that. That is but, a great, yes. And I think that my audience can learn so much from that because I do think that we often don't know what to give our audience. But by saying, hitting on those pain points and solving a problem every time you write is just so important. I love it. So now, yeah. Rick, where are the best places to find you like across social media? What are your, we obviously said the Facebook group and we will make sure to have that linked to the show notes, but where else can we find mm-hmm.
1: you? Yeah, so I'm at cheekykitchen.com, C H E E K Y kitchen. All of my London bloggers know that name, and none of the Americans do. So I'm <laughs> like, cheeky? So, yeah, so cheekykitchen.com. I'm at Cheeky Kitchen on Instagram, and I also have a lifestyle account um, at Brooke Lark. So sometimes I tweet, but I'm on Facebook at Cheeky Kitchen as well. And the bi- the biggest and best place to come and find me is the food blog photography forum and I am there every single day checking. So if you have any questions after this podcast, please come and ask us questions. We're there to answer and help and get you going in a direction that continues to build your own blog or your own business.
0: Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with my audience. Yes. I so appreciate you. Excellent. Thanks so much. Alright guys, well there you have it. Clearly Brooke knows her stuff about food photography and food videography. I am so excited about her course. It is absolutely amazing. I have gone through it. That It is definitely the best 90 minutes that you can spend in learning how to improve your video or if you're just getting started with video, how to, like she said, just get to it and get started. I appreciate you guys so much for taking the time to listen in today. Please make sure that if you're not a member of our Influencer Entrepreneurs Facebook community that you request access to join. We love new members. You can find that over at JennyMelrose.com. Up in the top right-hand corner, there's a button for community. Just hop over there, and you can request access, and you can ask Brooke any questions that you might have about this podcast interview within the Facebook community. As always, we appreciate when you guys leave any reviews and make sure that you are subscribed to the podcast on iTunes. That way you get a notification every time that we have a new episode. All right, guys, until next time.